Sorry, it's not COVID, I promise. Okay. Uh, before I, I get started here, a quick request. Um, you all know, I'm sure, Chris and Lisa Toth. Uh, we're looking for a few good men uh, who would be willing to take a trip up to Delaware on Saturday to assist them as they sell uh, the stuff in, in Lisa's mom's house. She's got a huge house there, and they have to do a huge large sale, and they got they got a lot on their plates right now. Um, so if there's anybody willing to clock, it's about a two-hour drive. It's not too terrible out there in a place called Wyoming, Delaware. Um, so if you've never been to Wyoming, Delaware, this is your opportunity. You don't want to miss it. Uh, but he needs about Wyoming, Delaware. This is your opportunity. You don't want to miss it. Uh, but he needs about four to six people. Um, cable group, uh, just come and is willing to do that, interested in doing that, or it's a cable group. Uh, just come and let me know, and, and I'll uh, let's pray before we, we jump into it, all right? Uh, let's pray before we, we jump into the word this morning. Father, come online. God, who have gathered for all the men here, Lord, and all the men um, <coughs> online. God, who have gathered together here so faithfully every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. To, to, Lord, explore with you a little deeper. I pray, God, that you, uh, you would reveal yourself to us and what we're going to talk to you today and reveal your plan to us, Lord, about um, the presence of your kingdom. Lord, and um, I pray that only your Holy Spirit would do the talking this morning and that uh, your Spirit, Holy Spirit, would be with us. Uh, through this morning, um, not only uh, at this time now, but also at their table time. Just bless us with your presence in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> so growing up, uh, my folks had this place in, in New Hampshire. It was like a cabin that we used to go to. I grew up uh, in South Africa, but when I was a little older, we, were, we, we moved to Connecticut. And every now and then, you know, the f the, my parents would just want to get away. And so they would just pile in the car, and they'd go up to the cabin for a couple of days. Uh, and as we grew older, we got to be in high school. My brothers were older than me, and they were in high school. Um, this became convenient for them because my brothers were entertainers. And uh, so my parents would, would go out, and um, it wouldn't take, take long before the teenagers would start showing up at our house um, and when they were gone. And, and so in one particular time, they, they, they headed out. And it was like they were gone for 20 minutes, and the cars started coming in, and my brother's friends started showing up for uh, a little bit, bit of fun at our house. And they got about an hour away, and they had to turn around. And they forgot something. I don't know what the reason was, okay? So they came home, and they came home to this interesting surprise of all these cars in their driveway and in the you know, and up and down the street, and their house full of the owners of these cars overtaking their property and so forth. And, of course, my brothers had no idea my parents were, were even there or that they had to turn around. So my dad walks in through the garage and in through the door, uh, you know, entering from the garage into the kitchen. He opens the door, and there's all these teenagers in there. And the first person he sees is my brother standing there with a beer in one hand and a cigarette in the other. And, uh, hi, Dad. And um, then there was like an exodus, not, sh not probably much smaller than the Israelites, out the front door. The funniest thing was my brother tried to actually like jump into the flow. <laughs> like, he, you know. Now, my dad, he's, um, he's, a, he's about as strong as a bull and he's got the temperament of a bull. But he's not a real big guy. He's 5'10". I tell you, his arm grew like 16 feet that day. I mean, the long arm of the law, you want to talk about it, he just like reached out. I, I think my brother's like feet came off the ground when he grabbed him. But it was quite a scene. Um, and, and 
And I guess that story came to mind as I was reading and preparing for this text because if Jesus were to walk through that proverbial garage door right now, what would he catch us doing? Um, it's kind of a question we're going we're gonna to wrestle with this morning for a bit. Um, and, and that's to ask ourselves, are our, al- our lives aligned with the promise of his coming kingdom or are we in bondage to concerns of this present day? Uh, we're going to deal with some very practical things, but, but there's a larger message here that Jesus, I think, is putting forth, which is that we need to align our focus on the promise of the coming kingdom, not on the concerns uh, of this world. So, so we're going to look at that today. Um, if I can find my way here. Okay, too many focus. All right, so turning to, we're going to be in Luke chapter 12 today. So if you want to go there in your Bibles, um, I've got most of the, i got the verses here as well. But turning out, we're going to start with uh, Luke 12, 13. It says, someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. All right, so this whole section of Luke's gospel begins with this one request. It's made by some unnamed person. We don't even, it doesn't even say whether it's a woman or a man, I think. But um, and, and this person makes this this seemingly harmless but probably pretty stupid request of Jesus um, but look at the response it triggers you can see it I mean I, I, on my phone if I were to pull it up you see that like if you have the red letter edition of the Bible you see this guy says this one thing and then there's like sea of red like Jesus kind of goes off on him okay uh, it just triggers this response so Jesus clearly uses this as one as a teaching moment um so, so what does he say? Uh, he, he responds to this man who asked him this question, teacher, tell me to divide my family inheritance. He says to him, <coughs> but he said to him, man, who appointed me judge or arbiter over you? <coughs> Excuse me. He's not saying here that given authority over, over this matter, by the way. We all know he's God. He's been given authority over all things. That's Matthew 28, 19 and 20 tells us. Um, what he's saying is that he's not been appointed to be judge over menial matters, and this is a menial matter for the God of the universe. This person is, is seeking to reduce Messiah to Judge Judy and tie him up in worldly matters that don't really matter, okay? I think of it, I think of it this way. What would happen, y- uh, most of you are, are military, um, and most of you are familiar with military um, structures. What would happen if a couple of privates went to a four-star and demanded that they settle his dispute over, I don't know, who gets the top bunk, right? I mean, it wouldn't happen. Um, he wouldn't probably actually d- settle that. In fact, he'd probably have much more to say. But this is, this isn't, that's not unlike this. I mean, asking God to come down and settle your private matters for you. That's what this guy's doing, and it, it prompts this response. Um, and so Jesus says to him, <coughs> after he answers this question, he says this, he says, then he said to them, beware and be on guard against every form of greed, for not even when one has an abundance does one consist uh, of his possessions. Excuse me, I'm trying to keep track of time here. <coughs> All right, so he gives this, them this warning about greed. And why? It's, it's pretty obvious that the person he's addressing, the person who asked this question has a greed issue. Uh, but again, it's not really about an inheritance dispute here. Jesus is pointing to people to a larger message. And that, that, that larger message is that their target fixation on the concerns of this world is leading them astray. Leading them astray of the kingdom that he is bringing um, and causing them to focus on the world. 
See, greed is one of two sins that Jesus is going to warn us about here in these passages this morning. And the other one being worry. But with both, he's warning us that it's their, dis- their, their disobedient focus on worldly matters and human ways. It's going to destroy them and it's going to destroy their witness. Uh, and so he, 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 he gives this warning, beware and be on guard against every form of greed. And then he goes into a parable. And so what we see here is we see warnings, parables, warnings, metaphors, and then timeless truths kind of woven into this whole, into this whole piece, part of the text. But he, he comes up with this parable and he says, uh, he told them a parable saying the land of a rich man was very productive. And he began reasoning to himself saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger, war- larger ones. <coughs> and, there, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, take your ease, eat. Goods laid up for many years to come. Take easy, take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. It's not hard to grasp the, the message that this parable is putting forth. It's, it's not rocket science. Um, basically, if you're storing up all your blessings for yourself, you're a fool. Uh, the word there that's that, that is translated fool in the Greek, it, it, it doesn't refer to somebody who's just merely ignorant. It describes a person who acts foolishly because they don't use their ability or their potential to understand. It's willful, willful, willful ignorance. Okay, it's, it's like deliberately choosing to be stupid. And, and why? Well, he, you know, as the old adage says, you can't take it with you is part of what Jesus is saying, and, and he does say here. But, but more to the point, Jesus is saying that whatever you store up for yourself, you're not investing in the kingdom. It's not just about the stuff. It's not just about our resources, our wealth, the things that we own <coughs> at all. It's, it's about the time and the energy that we spend focusing on the stuff. See, God, God isn't concerned about getting your money. He's got no need for it. He's concerned about getting your heart and my heart. Uh, and for many of us, the only way he can truly get our hearts is to strip us of the wealth or the pursuit of wealth that steals our affections. So, so he closes um, after this parable with this timeless truth. So is the man who stores up treasure for himself uh, and is not rich towards God. Again, that's, that's, that's this man, the fool. So is the man who stores up his uh, treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. All right, so what do we take away from this? I want to try to move down this ladder of abstraction to some kind of concrete application here that we can actually wrestle with. And I, I'm going to do it through a question and a thought. First, the question, um, if I or one of your other brothers here were to peek in your storehouse, what would we see? See, we've all got storehouses. For this man, in the day in which he lived, it was an actual storehouse in which he filled it with crops, right? Um, depending on where you are, it may look differently. If you're, if you're a lot of people, a lot of tribes in Africa, their storehouses are actually um, uh, herds of cattle or herds of sheep. The more you have, the more wealthy you're considered to be. Um, for middle class, upper, or upper, middle to upper class suburban America in 2021, our storehouses probably come with the moniker Bank of America, but whether it's you know whether Schwab, um, you know, but whether it's you know whether it's a 401k or an investment property, whether it's gold, whether it's silver, wherever you've parked your assets, that's of course your storehouse, and my storehouse. So the question is, what does it look like? How much of it do you really need? And how much time do you spend tending to it? 
and how much good might it do in the kingdom as opposed to in your account? That's the hard question Jesus is presenting here. I didn't choose it. I would have not preferred not to talk about this text because this is uncomfortable for me, but, but that's what he's asking. So here's, here's the thought. Um, what if you invited a brother or two to look into your storehouse? All right, I hope I didn't just make everything weird. I, we're going to have some interesting time, uh, uh, table time possibly this morning. But, but it's funny because we have this intensely private view of money in our culture that it's improper, bordering on indecent to ask how much somebody makes or how much somebody has. And think about that. Why do you think that is? And could it be that it might just expose what we are or better yet what we are not doing with it? <coughs> we frown upon the weaker brother who hides away to, to drink in secret or smoke in secret or look at porn in secret, but, but those, is, those aren't the only sins. Jesus names another one here called greed. How much of us practice our greed in secret? Um, I'm not going to stand here and tell you that I'm beyond this problem. I struggle with money like everybody else. Uh, I mean, you all can ask me. Ask me what's in my accounts. Ask me how much I make. And then say, well, maybe you could be doing better. You see, I, I don't say this to be kind of lecturing. I say this to, to help us find a point of helping hold each other accountable in all aspects of our life. Because I think that's what we do as Christian brothers and sisters together. We're brothers here. <coughs> so, so we can do this. We can support one another in love. All right. So I want to move on after that fun part, to worry. Oh, okay, here's another fun one. <coughs> um, so greed isn't the only way that our possessions or lack thereof keep us from focusing on the kingdom of Jesus. Um, so he comes up with this, and he says, uh, worry. He says, and he said to his disciples next, um, for this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, or nor your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. So he pivots to this other problem we have with our possessions, which is worry. And he says, for this reason, he's pointing back again to that timeless truth that he talked about. Uh, but now he directly ties, not rich towards God, right? Uh, but now he directly ties that, that notion of storing up, storing up our treasures on earth to worry, to, to, to this concept, to this problem of worry. <coughs> and what he kind of exposes here is that worrying about worldly matters and possessions is every bit as much a sin as obsessively pursuing them. Uh, he uses, again, there's, he sandwiches in this next uh, bit of text um, this, this another timeless truth between two metaphors. Uh, the metaphor first one he uses is the ravens. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, yet God feeds them. <coughs> now how much more valuable are you, you are, than a bird? And then he says, and which of you, by worrying about, can add a single hour to his lifespan. If then you cannot do even very little, why do you worry about other matters? And then he concludes with this, the second metaphor. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothes, them, clothes himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the, the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more... Will he clothe you, O men, you of men of little faith? <coughs> so the metaphors obviously speak to God's provision. He provides for the birds, he provides for the flowers, and how much more will he provide for us? We've all probably heard this a million times. Uh, I want to focus, though, on that timeless truth, the kind of like that, that, that goodness in the middle, 
um, where he says, which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? <coughs> so he's saying here, not only is worrying sinful, but it's pointless. Now, I'm, I want to take a moment to be somewhat painfully real here because even more than greed, this is a sin I've struggled with. <coughs> um, I come from a family where worry was a virtue, not a sin. Okay, In fact, the opposite was sin. If, if you're not worried about something, you're not concerned. And if you're not concerned, you're irresponsible. I don't know. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Um, actually, I don't think I was alone. See, but the problem is worry is a sin. Why? Because worry is grounded in control, and more particularly, the need for control. And the need for control, particularly when it comes to our worldly possessions and our material needs, is simply another way of saying, I don't trust God or I don't trust anyone else to provide, which is another way of saying, I don't trust who? God to provide. Again, a, a personal example. I didn't get to the point, check in here. <coughs> I didn't get to the point of being a pastor easily. I came pretty much kicking and screaming. Um, when God put this call on my heart, I, I did the Jonah thing, to be honest with you. Um, the thought of going at the time from a very comfortable lawyer's six-figure salary down to a generous but decidedly lower, not six-figure salary was, 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 was a source of anxiety to me. Um, and when I started out, there was no salary. Uh, so to put it lightly, it was a, source, a little source of anxiety. Um, and that kept me uh, in bondage. It did. It paralyzed me for years to think the thought of, of I can't do this. I can't walk away from this, this, this life. Um, and you can ask my wife, I don't know how many years we would sit sitting on the front stoop of the house and I'd be expressing to her that I had this calling I simply couldn't seem to shake and I had this change that I simply couldn't seem to make and I didn't know how to wrestle with the tension. And she'd say, God will provide, like it was so easy. Um, and she was right, of course. Uh, but, but, but I would still look at her and say, yeah, but how, right? But how? That's just another form of worry. And um, uh, which is really to say, I don't know how, so I'm not sure he will. Uh, God, as you all know, is relentless. And so I, I, I soon came to the point, so I was never going to have peace until I made this change. It wasn't like I made some brave, courageous thing. Yeah, I took the plunge, but I pretty much think I was pushed. Um, Again, I don't raise this as evidence of my courage because I didn't have any. I raise it to point out this, the promise of God's provision, because this is the most amazing thing, brothers. Looking back, and I can't even kind of point to all the ways, but neither I nor my family have wanted for anything since we made this decision. And we made this decision together. Um, he's provided every step of the way in this wonderful variety of, variety of ways. Uh, unexpected gifts maybe there was, a there was a scholarship I wasn't anticipating that I got just all these other ways that I can't even recall um, uh, uh, but but all the ways he's he, he sort of has made a way and yeah no he hasn't basically opened up storehouse doors and sent us to Europe every summer but he made a way and he was faithful in every step of the way and it's amazing so so I share this because um, I never could have predicted all the ways he would have moved and and this is why worry is not only pointless but limiting um, because um, every worldly concern that we don't give to God, it's not because his ability to work in our lives. It's not because he can't. We all know nothing's impossible for God. But because you won't, it's because we won't let him. 
Um, so anyway, I want to see now. I've got to. I'm trying to keep keep up here on the time. Um, there's a lot in these in these passages, by the way. So I'm going to kind of skip and, and and go go through stuff here. Um, but 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 I want you to see that that what Jesus finally does here, um, and he rolls all of this discussion, this, this these lessons about about uh, greed and worry into this larger picture of kingdom focus, right? And he does so through through these these series of commands. First, he says, "And do not seek what you eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying. For all these things, the nations of the world eagerly seek. But your Father knows that you need these things." See, if you're worried about material things, he says here, you are like the nations of the world. You are like the world, as opposed to being citizens of heaven. Um, your father knows you need these things, Jesus says. If he knows you, he, if he knows, do you really think he's going to deny them? He's not. We have to have faith in that. Uh, but seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. So first he says, do not seek what you will eat, but second, he says, seek his kingdom, the second command. Again, if you're part of his kingdom now, and you focus, we should be focusing on it. We are part of it. If you're a brother, if, you, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're part of his kingdom. Focus on it. Care about it. Live in it. Reside in it. It's an amazing truth. Uh, do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Again, it's a command. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Fear what? Losing out on things of this world. God has already given you the kingdom. So again, we need to focus on that. I need to focus on that. Pour your life into that truth. And then he gives this somewhat practical, if maybe a little bit painful suggestion, or not suggestion, direction. Sell your possessions and give to charity. Make yourselves money belts, which do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes nor moth comes near nor moth destroys. This isn't just about caring for the poor. In fact, I guess I would submit to you it's mostly not about that. The point here, again, is to remove the things that deflect your time and your energy and your focus and your passion from God. He's very practical here. Now, God could have said just light them up, throw them away, burn them, burn the storehouses. But he's practical here. You see, he doesn't. Our possessions, what we have, better use. Because he's got a purpose. Our wealth, our possessions, what we have are good things. But God calls us to put them for good use in his kingdom. Um, so it's, it's, it's about putting, um, it's not about ha not having these things. It's about putting them to, to divine use. So once again, we come to this uh, timeless truth. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Um, we, we hear this a lot. I've, I've, I've memorized this. I've thought it. I've said it. But I want to drink it in this morning. I want us all to drink it in because it's so true. Um, all right. I'm going to quickly just touch on one more thing. I'm not going to go through all of the slides I have here uh, just for, for lack of time. I want to give you all plenty of time to talk. Um, but I want to just make a note that 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 he, he kind of wraps a lot of this together with this final warning. Uh, so, and it's a warning about the kingdom and that it's coming, that this isn't just some sort of esoteric discussion. So after warning, warning us about worldly greed and, greed and godly worry, Jesus reminds us that these verses aren't about, or at least just about giving us comfort in our day-to-day. -day. They're about the undeniable reality of his return, the real reason that we need to be obedient. And he begins uh, with a command, again, 
he says, he says, be dressed in readiness and keep your lamps lit. Okay? Be like men who are waiting for their master when he returns from the wedding feast so that they so they may immediately open the door to him when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves whom the master will find alert when he comes. Truly I say to you, they will gird himself, that he will gird himself to serve and have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. Okay, I don't have time to go into the richness of these metaphors. Okay, I mean, there it's, it's the significance of the wedding analogy is, is huge. Uh, it, you know, it, it's wrapped into the text of, of the Bible. It's, it's, in, it's throughout the story of the Bible. Um, but there, there is, um, there's a lot here, but there, I just want to note the one thing he says here. Um, and note this much, that in their day, the master would never wait on the servants. That's, that's, that's crazy talk for these people. Um, so he's almost using a hyperbolic example to demonstrate the depth of the reward for those who remain diligently focused on the kingdom and the king. Um, <coughs> And with this, he also has this truth for, which points to, uh, again, this timeless truth uh, that we need to be ready. Whether he comes in the second watch or in the third watch, and he finds them so blessed are those. Uh, and to be sure of this, that if the head of the house had not known what hour the thief was coming, he would not have allowed the house to be broken into. So you too be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. The rest of the text goes on, and I'm going to skip over it into the questions, uh, to talk where Peter asks a question, are you talking to us, the disciples, or are you talking to all the people? And just very briefly, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to skip it, he says it here. Um, uh, there, there's a um, you can read this in your text, but I'm going to skip it quickly, but, but Jesus asks this question, which draws us other response from Jesus. Uh, sorry, Peter asks this question, which draws us other response from Jesus, which is basically, yes. But you have a higher calling. You have a greater obligation. That's how I read the text here. And so as, as, as a pastor, I certainly do, but as brothers who are mature believers, who n understand the concept of the promise of the kingdom, we all do have a greater calling and a greater um, obligation to live up to God's word. All right, so let me just close this really quickly with this, this quote I found by a woman named Ellen Goodman. I've not heard of her before. Maybe you have. But she said this, Normal is getting dressed in clothes that you buy for work and driving in traffic in a car uh, you're still paying for in order to get to a job you need to pay for the clothes in the car and the house you leave vacant all day so you can afford to live in it. Maybe it's time for a new normal. Um, a normal focused on being clothed in righteousness. A normal focused on being about the work of the kingdom. With an eye towards the house in heaven with many rooms of which every one of you have one set aside that Jesus made, is making for you. Uh, I think that's the normal we should think about. Um, so as we go into our discussion, here are some discussion questions for you this morning. I'm going to pray for us. What's in your storehouse? Is it subject to decay in the world or pointed to the growth of the kingdom? And how might you use your crop differently? What worries you? What does that say about, what you're trust about your trust in God? And what does the mindset that, that's set on the kingdom look like? All right. So Father God, we do thank you, Lord, that you provide all things. You've made a way. We have no reason to, to, to desire 
things um, to our greed. Provide no reason to worry, Lord, because um, you have truly, truly provided all we need. And you are more faithful than any job, any investment, anything else that we have, God, that we can rely on. Anything of this world, Lord, nothing, nothing amounts to you and your faithfulness. So thank you, Jesus, that you have made a way for us. Thank you that you gave your life for us, Lord. You laid it down for us that we would we would come into your kingdom and know you and 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 let and tell everybody else about you. So help us to be diligent about that. Help us to be faithful stewards of what you have given us. And bless us in this day as we go forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Alex.